What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to another episode of The Degenerate here on Arrowhead Live in our series of podcasts. I am Johnny King. This is episode seven. And as always, I am joined by Dustin Gosa. Dustin, first of all, we want to apologize for not having an episode last week. Obviously, 4th of July, the festivities had us a little bogged up, but gave us an opportunity to get some more things ready for this week. Full show slate ahead and a lot of things now happening all of a sudden in the sports world. Like Johnny said, we we completely apologize for that, but it, it allowed us to get a, a couple more contents uh, going on from like the NHL to the NBA and the the Mahomes contract just popping up out of nowhere. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a good uh, good episode, I think, Johnny. Starting with Patrick Mahomes talking about that, what a blockbuster of a deal happening just a couple of days ago. Patrick Mahomes signs a 10-year contract extension worth $503 million that will keep him in Kansas City through 2031 at least. Patrick Mahomes, the richest contract in sports history. Obviously well warranted, he brings the Kansas City Chiefs a Super Bowl last year. He's already won a league MVP, Super Bowl MVP. He's pretty much done everything you can at the level he has. And guess what? He's only through two full years of being the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Dustin Patrick Mahomes, he gets that big contract. And obviously, I haven't seen one person that says he didn't deserve it either. Yeah, like you said, starting off, you know, he sat behind Alex Smith that first year. And then, you know, second year, you get an MVP season. If he didn't get hurt last season, you know, he would have been right there with Lamar Jackson for another MVP season back-to-back and Super Bowl MVP to, to cap it all off on top of a Super Bowl championship. I mean, what he's accomplished in his first three years in the league is, I mean, outrageous. And, I mean, it's well-deserved money. And, yeah, it's, a, it's more of a front-ended contract, but it's one of those things where the Chiefs are looking towards the future saying, hey, we want you to retire a Chief. We want you to have your name in the Ring of Honor one day. Yeah, and it's kind of the way you look at the contract, it shapes up that in hearing Patrick Mahomes talk about this contract as a whole, I heard him on a couple of shows the other day after he signed that contract. He was on 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. A couple of guys there are friends of our show here on The Degenerate. But just talking about that, hearing Patrick Mahomes talk about it, he wanted to make sure that the Chiefs were still in a good spot here in the next several years to be able to keep some weapons around him. He knows that he's only as good as his weapons are. Obviously, a lot of people disagree think Patrick Mahomes can do basically what he's done already with kind of anybody that you tried out there on the field. But Patrick Mahomes, he signed this. It's still, I hate to say it, but it, I think a lot of people will agree that it is still a team-friendly contract, even though it is $503 million. You could have gave Patrick Mahomes any amount of money, and nobody really would have been upset about it. But Patrick Mahomes came out and he said, you know, I don't mind it being down further along in my years that that you know that it takes a while for me to get some of this money obviously he's still going to make a lot of money here early on but just the simple fact that he came out and said I want to make sure that some of these other guys can still get paid that have helped me get to where I'm at and when I said I was front-ended earlier uh, what I really meant by that was uh, by the by March 2023 uh, he's guaranteed 183 million out of that contract so realistically two-fifths of what he is owed is going to be given to him by 2023 here in the next three years or so but that allows on this back end of the contract, you know, five, six years down the line, it allows you to go pick up some free agents, you know, sign some players. Maybe, you know, Tyreek Hill stays, maybe he goes, you know, Travis Kelsey on the same end. You can pick up some players and, you know, work with Patrick saying, hey, man, we've already given you, you know, two-fifths of this contract, three-fifths of this contract. You know, you know, take a little pay cut here, we'll back end it and, you know, get you some players. And like you said, it's it's all about his weapons around him. I mean, you could just say, you know, anybody can be a wide receiver when Patrick Mahomes is, you know, is the quarterback. But when you look at the people he's got, the you know, the speed that's in throughout that whole roster, 
I mean, it's the it's the perfect uh, perfect mix all around for that offense, and you want to keep them around as long as possible. In these first four or five years, you really, really want to keep that offense together. You look at it as well, too. I mean, even Sammy Watkins has already came out and said that he would take less money to come stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. There's going to be guys that on the back end of their careers that are going to say, I want to go play for Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs offense. There's going to be some guys that will take pay cuts just for the simple fact of being able to come play with Patrick Mahomes. Sammy Watkins, as mentioned, he came out and said, why would I go to a team and, yeah, maybe get 1,000 yards and but lose every single game? Why not stay here with the best quarterback in the in the world, one of the best coaches in the league as well, best fans, organization as a whole that's going to take care of me. Why would I do? Why would I not stay in Kansas City and do just that? And I think simply just for the simple fact of having Patrick Mahomes now locked down, there are going to be more guys with that same mindset. And uh, here's one thing, John. I want to go and run some stats through you real quick. But before that, like you said, we're trying to build a dynasty here, and the first step is obviously the quarterback. When you, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you can't let him walk. I mean, anything he wants, obviously you were going to write that check. We we've made the you know call earlier, you know, kind of guess, and we we're talking. Oh, he's going to be four hundred million, you know, four hundred twenty million. When they said five hundred million, I said that's well deserved. I mean, we obviously thought it was going to be a little bit lower than that, but obviously if you're going to want to keep that guy in Kansas City, that is what you have to do is pay the guy. But here's a couple stats for you. I just want to run through. So Patrick Mahomes started 36 games for the Kansas City Chiefs so far. He's got eight total losses. In those 36 games, he has above a 50 QBR in every single one of those games. He's averaging a 70 QBR, which is quarterback rating, if you guys don't know. Uh, 50 is about average. So if you look at it that way, he's averaging 70. He's never had a bad game as a Kansas City Chief. Uh, he's has eight total losses, and in those losses, he's never lost by more than a touchdown in any of those games. If you look at him, from a, I mean, just a general standpoint, never had a bad game. In those losses, averaging 335 yards passing, has 26 touchdowns and eight total interceptions. If you to put that in perspective, when we talked about the 36 games above a 50 QBR, the next quarterback in line, Matthew Stafford, nine straight games of 50 or more. After that, Derek Carr, four games. So, I mean, when you look at the Mahomes money, when everybody outside of the Chiefs kingdom wants to talk about, you know, did he really deserve that money? Just those stats alone. He's never had a bad game according to the quarterback rating. So, I mean, can you really argue with that? No, and I think just a simple fact that when you look more into the contract, it says exactly how the Kansas City Chiefs feel about Patrick Mahomes because I know inside of his contract it says there's $140 million guaranteed for even if Patrick Mahomes blows out a knee, God forbid that that happens, but say he blows out a knee and his career's done next year, he's still going to get paid $140 million. So that right there should tell you exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs think of Patrick Mahomes and just his ability and what he's already done it's not even simple fact of what he's going to do I think a lot of it Dustin is just simple fact of what he's already done just for the simple fact he has brought a championship he's won a league MVP he's won a Super Bowl MVP and he's also just changed the culture really I feel like him and Andy Reid that that's who that coach and quarterback duo they really changed the culture in Kansas City with the certain guys they have brought in and also guys that they have cut and let go that that's a simple fact of what they think about Patrick Mahomes and his leadership as well you said it right there it's it's definitely a different atmosphere when, when we had you know Brody Croyle and a couple of these other quarterbacks in where it was like you know we're just trying to score points you know get it on the board maybe you know end up with a decent draft pick in the first round now honestly I said it when we won the Super Bowl last year. I've never had a 32 draft pick ever. You know, are we going to trade it? Are we going to use it? You know, and looking at this from a Patrick Mahomes standpoint, from just the Chiefs' kingdom standpoint, if you're trying to build a dynasty, 
realistically, you look at it from 26 to 32 is where we want to be at every single year in those draft picks, and I think we have the ammo to do it now. I mean, you obviously gave your biggest gun the money. Now you build the guys around him, and whether free agents come in, you do it through the draft, whatever you have to do, I think you build around Patrick Mahomes for as long as you can and let him retire a chief. So, again, Patrick Mahomes is locked in to Kansas City through the 2031 season, signing that 10-year extension worth $503 million. So that was the big news of this week to this point. And I know it's something, obviously, that not only – what's crazy to me, Dustin, it's not only the NFL and just Kansas City that's talked about this. It's sports around the whole entire country and the world of guys. You look at LeBron James congratulating Dwayne Wade, guys like that coming out and congratulating Patrick Mahomes and talking about how it's well-deserved that he makes that much money. Oh, and it's the biggest contract in in any sport, and that's crazy when you talk about it in even like a a baseball or NBA standpoint because, you know, baseball, they have these enormous contracts coming out here, and in the NBA, signing their new deals through TNT and ESPN. They've been kind of fighting here and there, trying to figure out who's got the the rights. So, you know, you have 12 men on the team still making $10, $15 million a year just for, for sitting on the bench. And then you turn around and look at the NFL, like you have a half of a billion dollar guy in the, in the league now. And especially in the NFL, I think it's a, it's a huge deal. I know they can manipulate the contract to be front-ended, back-ended, you know, take less here, take more here, whatever. But like you said, there's huge sports figures like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Mike Trout, people coming out and saying, you know, this is well-deserved. You are one of the most entertaining you know players on the earth and and it's it's so fun watching a football game when you are the quarterback so I think that's really where we're at now we're watching one of the most entertaining men on any in any sport honestly and I kind of hinted at this earlier but something that I don't think is talked about enough too is what Patrick Mahomes has done off the field with just the simple things of being in certain commercials and coming out and voicing his opinion on Black Lives Matter just certain things like that that Patrick Mahomes does off the field that I think some of these guys like a LeBron James is coming out and even congratulating Patrick Mahomes even more because they feel like just the simple fact that he has realized that he is on the biggest stage and he is the basically the centerpiece of the National Football League right now that he the fact that he's coming out and using his voice to try to direct change is the biggest thing and I think why a lot of people and those big name guys like LeBron James feel like he is definitely making that money worth it and he is the the face of the NFL and I know it's one of those things where I know we're a little bit biased because of, you know, being Arrowhead Live and doing everything else. But even being a Chiefs fan, even if you weren't a Chiefs fan, you know Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are the face in the new franchise of football. It is what the New England Patriots were and what the Kansas City Chiefs can be here in the next coming years. And I really think, you know, the NFL is banking on Patrick Mahomes being like that LeBron James to the NBA or, you know, Sidney Crosby to the NHL. They're really trying to put a face, you know, to the tag, and I think the NFL has decided, you know, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, and he's well-deserved of that contract. And you can't tell me, even if you aren't a part of Chiefs Kingdom, you're watching games, you don't turn on a Chiefs game because this offense scores literally by the time you can wipe your nose after you sneeze. It's one of the best offenses in the NFL. They score at will, and honestly, you have to give the the guy with the keys to the kingdom uh, all the glory. So again, Patrick Mahomes and that big contract was the big news so far of this week and that we felt like we just had to start this show, although we are more of a betting podcast, we felt like we had to start the show by talking about Patrick Mahomes and that contract. But now let's move on to some of the betting world and some things going on around the country in the sports world. Let's start with PGA Tour and golf. Last week, 
the Rock and Mortgage Classic. Bryson DeChambeau picks up the big win. A lot of people going into that tournament had him as the heavy favorite to win the Rock and Mortgage Classic. He does the, just that with a great week. Now looking ahead to this week, it's more of an even field with some big-name guys. Justin Thomas back in there. Brooks Kepka is where as well. Gary Woodland. And it's the Workday Charity Open in Merrifield Golf Club in Dublin, Ohio. And Dustin, I know you're not as much into golf as I am, but just the fact that Bryson DeChambeau won last week and now you have this big-name kind of lineup, I guess you would call it, it's going to be at the Workday Charity Open this week. It makes this tournament just seem like really fun heading into it with such big names that we do have. And DeChambeau, love or hate the guy, I mean, the technical aspect and how he does statistics and mathematics and everything when it comes down to golf. Like, he thinks about a golf swing, a golf ball, the lie, everything, way more than anybody else I've ever known. And that's why they made the rule of, you know, you can only search for your ball and address your ball and actually hit it in three minutes now instead of five minutes because of him. But when you watch him, hit, you know, hit the ball right off the tee, I mean, he, he hits it so hard and so far. It's it's hard not to pay attention to a guy like that, and I thought it was a well-deserved win. He he hit the ball great right around the green. He was right on it and making really good putts from pretty decent distances this week. So I think that's a, a, a good good pick even you know for this next coming week. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brooks. I want to see Brooks, what he does this week. I know he he wasn't in last week, you know, trying to figure out everything with his caddy, with the COVID thing and whatnot, but – I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, these tournaments coming up. You know, there's more and more players that, you know, big-name players that are starting to come out and play a little bit more. So I think it's going to be a little little interesting when you see some of these uh, these matchups here on out. Talking about Bryson DeChambeau, did you see what he averaged on drives last week? He averaged 340 yards off the tee last week. He had drives of 376, and, I mean, that's insane. Averaging it. 340 on a drive, I mean, he is literally changing the game of golf. And I think a lot of people aren't quite realizing that what he's doing, he is literally changing what PGA Tour and what the golf world is. And one thing I thought was interesting with that was uh, they talked about like the the weight and how certain players, you know, try to do little things to tweak their game to do better. Brooks Kepka, he said, you know, I want to lose, you know, 15, 20 pounds, try to, you know, get a little bit more fit. DeChambeau said, no, I want to gain 20 or 30 pounds so I can hit it further, I can get stronger. I was looking at something on, I'm not sure if it was TikTok or Instagram, he was saying he uh, he was drinking like seven protein shakes a day, pulling in like almost 4,000 calories, working out twice a day, even while he was golfing. And when you look at things like that, it's like that that's the reason he crushes the ball. But like I said, on the Brooks Kepka standpoint, he crushes the ball as well, but he thinks the game would be better for him if he loses 15, 20 pounds and gets a little bit more fit. So, I mean, it's all to, I mean, to his zone in golf, you know, if you're doing something good, you know, stick with it. Uh, but I always thought that was interesting when I seen DeChambeau's, uh, his weight regimen as well as how much food he actually ate in a day. I was like, man, 4,000 calories. Like, that's a lot to put down. So, again, DeChambeau really changing the game of golf right now after winning last week at the Rock and Mortgage Classic. But, again, looking to this week, he is not going to be in the field at the Workday Charity Open in Mirfield Golf Club in Dublin, Ohio. So, let's take a quick look at this tournament. I know, Dustin, like, as I mentioned, you don't have a lot of experience looking at golf, so I'll just kind of take the reins here on this one. But looking at just Mirfield Golf Club as it is, it's a course that you can get away with some errant drives. The PGA Tour came out and said, you know, the rough's not going to be near as bad as what it could be. So I, I look at this tournament. It's a tournament that guys that can hit approach shots close. That those are the type of guys. Guys that are good iron players are guys that you got to look for this week. And just I'm just going to throw just a quick DraftKings lineup. I'm big on DraftKings, but just a quick lineup that I just kind of put together and looked at heading into this week. Just a fun one to throw together. So these are based off of guys that are ranked well and as far as approach 
to the hole and iron players as well. Mark Leishman got him at number one, so he's in my lineup. Colin Morikawa, he's been a stud all season long. He's number three on approach shots. Hideki Matsuyama, he's been good all year. He's number six in approach shots as well. So just kind of right there, those top three guys, they've been playing well all year. That shows right there there's a reason why, is they've been great on iron play this year. Also, Emiliano Grillo, he's a guy that a lot of people probably don't know the name of, but he is playing really good golf this year. He's ranked 13th in approach shots. Harold Varner III, he's kind of a fan favorite. He's a guy that a lot of people are starting to get his name out there. He's played really well this year. He's 24th. And then I have my sixth guy, a guy that you, you just kind of thrown in there. He doesn't really fit in the approach shot category, but a guy that in that sixth spot, you know, you don't have a lot of money left. You're just trying to find a guy that maybe can make a difference. Patrick Rogers, he is eighth on strokes gained putting. So I'm going to put him in my sixth spot this week. Patrick Rogers, a young guy that I think maybe can get some shots just on the green because the greens, they're not going to be as fast this week. They're going to slow. They already said they're going to slow him down a little bit. So a guy like Patrick Rogers, if he can get hot, I feel like he might be a guy that can get you some extra points there in that sixth and final spot in a DraftKings lineup. Yeah, I think that's a really good look, John, especially when you, you talk about just the PGA uh, in general. I know there's a lot of people who like the big hitters, and there are courses where it really favors the big hitters, you know, like DJ, Brooks, Bryson, like we talked about Rory for that point, who can drive those par fours. But it's really about the guys who can approach close when, you know, they have that 100-yard shot, 120, 130 yards out. They can stick it to, you know, three to five feet to where that's a makeable putt. That's a, you know, 60%, 70% putt where – you know, you have a guy that, you know, can bomb it a you know, quarter mile, turns around and, you know, chips it up and he has a 20-foot putt. A 20-foot putt for most pros is only like a 7%, 6-7% chance to make that putt. And so the guys that get closer to the pin, they're going to make majority of the putts. And uh, in golf, it is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a four-day tournament, and that's why they don't just do it for one day because anybody can catch hot one day. It takes somebody who's really good to catch it four days, and I, I really like that lineup there, especially how you said the iron players and getting close to the pin. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at it. So this golf course, as mentioned, it's tree-lined like most golf courses. It's kind of a typical setup of a traditional golf course that most people are accustomed to seeing. But as mentioned, they're going to cut the rough down, so even if you're kind of errant off the tee, you can still get away with that. It's still going to come down to those guys that can put it close because there are going to be some bunkers around the greens that can really put you in a bad spot if you happen to do miss the green. So, guys, I, I just look at it. This is one of those tournaments. I know last week when we had Sam, Sam from Sam's Picks on from Twitter that he said Mark Leishman was the guy he looked at last week because of his iron play. I look at Mark Leishman again this week. Yeah, he might not win it, but he's going to be those guys. I can see a top 10, top 15 finish coming from Leishman. And in a DraftKings situation, if you can get a guy like a Morikawa or a Matsuyama that can maybe win you, win it for you or win the tournament this week, or if not, getting a top three, top five, those are the type of guys that can really make you some good money and get you up there in those DraftKings lineup settings. And I know, like you said, it was uh, one of those things where you're more into the, the call atmosphere than I am. But every player that you named right there is definitely one of players I can see playing through the weekend. They can get there on moving day on Saturday and then be in the championship on Sunday. I mean, even if they're just fighting for places. I mean, when it comes to a DraftKings lineup, you're fighting for places, you're fighting for points. And everybody that you named right there, you know, Leishin, Morikawa, uh, Matsuyama, I've always loved Matsuyama. You look at those players, I think those guys can just make it through the cut easy and you know play just a decent round of golf, make it through moving day, and have a fight, fighting chance come Sunday. And the, I mentioned Patrick Rogers being my sixth guy and him more just simple fact that he's a pretty good putter. I mean, he's ranked eighth on tour in strokes gained putting. I look at that too, the way this golf course shapes up, 
it also might not necessarily be as simple a fact of how close you can get. It's just if you can make some putts too, because as mentioned, it's not going to be as big of a deal off the tee as being in the middle of the fairway. But if you can just find a way to get on the putting surface, a guy like Patrick Rogers, he might be a guy that can come around and give you a, drain a couple of long putts and all of a sudden put himself in a spot to make it towards a weekend. Because that's that's the biggest thing as DraftKings lineup in golf is just getting your entire lineup to the weekend. If you can get all six of your guys to the weekend, you are going to come away with money somehow, some way. Just a simple fact of how kind of golf and DraftKings work. So it's just a simple fact of trying to get all six of your guys to the weekend. And if you can do that, you're in a pretty good spot. And I feel like that's the thing to look at this week with the Workday Charity Open at Muirfield Golf Club in Ohio. That'll get underway tomorrow morning in golf. And so it'll be PGA Tour continues there then this week after Bryson DeChambeau last week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So now moving on, Dustin. Big news this week. NHL finally announced their plans to start back in the playoffs. Going to go right into the playoffs. 24 teams get the call to begin the playoffs. And NHL back. I know that's a soft place in your heart, and you're excited about it. Oh, I've been waiting for this for a while there, John. Uh is one of those things where, you know, I've, I've been hot on for a couple of years. Uh, it took one of my buddies to kind of get me into to the game a couple of years back, and it's one of those things where I just I fell in love with. I, I ended up capping it uh, here the past couple of years. And Chell really right now is at a good point. I do love how they're going straight to the playoffs. Not No hate on the NBA at all, you know, with the eight games, trying to figure out who's going to be, you know, in the eight, nine spots and do a playoff series and all that. But Chell literally letting teams in from the east and west, 12 teams apiece. Uh, they have the quarter uh, qualifying rounds coming up August 1st. They're getting straight to it. Um, here in next week, they're getting right to uh, training camp, getting everybody back in, back in the zone. And I really think this is one thing that, I know a couple people like me have been ready to cap and been ready to look forward to. So uh, when it comes to the ice, man, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I think the biggest thing I look at with the NHL and it coming back, I know you kind of hinted at it, but just the plan that the National Hockey League has in place as far as testing, making sure guys are going to be safe, the three spots they're going to use for these playoffs and how they're going to schedule these games as well. I think that's the biggest thing that has me excited is that this this could be one of those where all the rest of the sports leagues may look at what the NHL is doing and say, and if it works, so you know that's that's the way we need to go. That's how we need to get sports back, and that might be the most effective way of getting sports back in the United States. And like you said, the first thing to talk about was just how they scheduled everything, and they're talking about all the the cities where they're going to have the games and all the qualifying rounds and everything. They're talking about having games at noon, four, and eight o'clock. And when you look at it that way, especially when you look at in Canada, I mean, from Edmonton to Toronto, you have a two-hour difference. So you have plenty of time to watch a game two hours in. There's a game in Toronto starting two hours after that. Game right after in Edmonton. Game right after in Toronto. I mean, it's it's a perfect setup for how they have everything going. Uh, 23 days until the first game. Uh, one thing that we had talked about before off the air was uh, the testing and protocols that they're going through. The NHL is ready to test everybody all the way through the players, the personnel, the coaching staff, uh, front office, cameraman, all the way to the hotel staff. You know, you know, if you go to the bar the night before, they're going to test the hotel staff, the bartending staff, uh, you know, waitresses, everybody, just to make sure they're ready to dish out, you know, ten to 20,000 tests here coming up in the first month just to make sure that every player is okay. If there is a player that happens to get, you know, tested, uh, even whether it's a false negative or if they even on the fence, they have to go through a protocol where it is a four day test period where the first three days they have to test negative and the fourth day has to be an absolute negative. It has to come up instantly as soon as they can get the results as a negative. So 
I think the NHL has this set in stone to where, you know, even if, say, somebody tests positive, they will keep continue testing them to make sure, you know, it wasn't a false positive or anything like that because they want as many good players on the ice as possible because it is going to be a playoff round. You don't have anybody, you know, having to sit out a couple games, you know, just because it's uh, the end of the regular season or anything. We're going straight to the playoffs. And that's one thing that I, I really liked about the NHL's testing. They're ready to test any and everybody around the team at any given time. And I think that's really the way you have to go with something as serious as the COVID-19 is right now. And I think I would have liked to see maybe the NBA do kind of the same situation. I know the NBA, they're going to still have eight games they got to play. I would have liked to have seen that to be maybe three to four, just just to get guys back in the flow of things. I know, obviously, conditioning is the biggest thing, I think, that these guys are worried about. But, I'm, I mean... That's something they could do on their own. Conditioning, it's something just for the simple fact of being able to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch. I do love exactly what the what the NHL is doing. And I, I think right now it just sets up for really a perfect storm for to get the NHL back and to finish the playoffs as well. Just my perspective uh, on the NBA. This is my own personal opinion, my own personal bias. They want Zion and LeBron to play in the first round, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. But that's just on my own opinion. We can continue on with that when we start talking about the NBA. Um, just go on with the, the NHL, uh, done with the you know qualifying rounds, testing protocol. I just want to run through the teams real quick, every team that's in the playoffs. Uh, to start, I did have the Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers. I had them to win the Metropolitan. They were 14 games back in January. They were one game back of the Caps, actually overtook the Caps, lost to the Caps, went back a game, and then COVID hit. So that ticket ended up being refunded. I did have the Flyers to win the Metropolitan. Great comeback. Philadelphia, love it. Anyway, in the East, we have uh, – I'll just start at the number one. We'll go down to 12. We have the uh, Boston Bruins, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington Capitals, uh, Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, New York Islanders, Toronto Maple Leafs, Columbus Blue Jackets, Florida Panthers, the New York Rangers, and the Montreal Canadiens. So that's that's how the East lines up. Uh, like I said, the bottom four teams are going to fight off for the qualifying, make sure that there's eight in there, and that's just how the East is running up right now. Who do you have coming out of the East, just quickly? Uh, out of the East, the Bruins The Bruins are hot. The Lightnings have, have been hot. They've, they've had the most points in the league the past two or three years. Uh, it's hard to hard to you know bet against the caps you know they they won last year you know trying to figure everything out there but that metropolitan is is solid you know with looking at the caps the flyers and the penguins all through the middle uh carolina's looking good uh if i had to choose one right now i would it's hard because it's been a couple months since we've actually had some play but i would say it's going to be at the at the top of the list i think it's either going to be the caps the lightning or the bruins honestly so i'm moving on to the west or st louis blues back up there at the top i see yeah, the the Blues they they started off a, you know, started off a little shaky this year, but they they figured it out. The Blues and Avalanche right there at the top, uh, followed by the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they had a little shaky start to uh, begin the season, but they really turned it on. But the West, when you look at it, is a lot closer than the East. There are teams in the East that you know fought their way to make it look a lot closer when it comes to wins, losses, and total points. Uh, but the West is all right there. You know, we have. 
uh, just win-wise, 42, 42, 39, 37, 37, 36, 35, 36, 37, 35. It's all right there in the West. So Maybe within seven games, you look at all the way every, through. Everybody is right there. Uh, and so that's what one thing I do like, how they just jump straight to the playoffs, because if you did have a 10-game, these numbers would have been shaken up so much, it would have been crazy. But like you said, we have the Blues up top, uh, Avalanche behind them, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we have the Dallas Stars, Edmonton Oilers, the Nashville Predators, Vancouver Canucks, uh, followed by the Calgary Flames, the Winnipeg Jets, the Minnesota Wild, uh, the Arizona Coyotes, and then the Chicago Blackhawks slid in there. 32-30-8, the Chicago Blackhawks slid into that last spot. So uh, I think that's one thing where, you know, it does give them a chance. It, it does, you know, give them a solid chance. The By statistic-wise, um, the uh, Montreal Canadiens are actually, I shouldn't say the worst team, but they are 31-31-9 in the East. And uh, the last team in the West is the Chicago Blackhawks at 32-30-8. So. so the NHL, that's again set to get back underway on August 1st. Any other final thoughts on the NHL before we move on to the NBA and Major League Baseball? Uh, my last thing, just with the NHL, I love love what they're doing. I love how they're trying to get games in fast. They're trying to uh, – one of those things where if, even if you're not a, a fan of the teams or anything like that, it's uh, something really good to watch and try to get into. Even if you don't have a team, you know, pick a team and try to follow them through the playoffs. Uh, last thing I got was just the, the NHL draft. I thought that was interesting. I'll just uh, label the top five picks in it. Uh, number five, we have Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators. Number four, we have Detroit. I don't know how Detroit got the number four in the lottery. They were the worst team. They've been the worst team the past couple of years. Um, I don't the, – the, the Chell gods are not with them right now, uh, giving them the four spot. Ottawa has the three spot as well. They got that from the uh, San Jose Sharks uh, in a uh, trade from uh, two years ago. The L.A. Kings grabbed the number two spot, and the number one spot was actually a surprise to the to the NHL world. It, it's supposed to be named after the qualifying round. So one of these qualifying teams in the final eight, well, the last eight, I should say, are going to have that number one spot. So that's going to be interesting to see what that's really looking like, and I think we're going to be looking forward to a couple good years here in Shell on the way up. So now moving on, NBA and Major League Baseball both set to be back here in just a few short weeks. The NBA, they've moved everybody down to Orlando. Everybody's starting to get acclimated with that situation, how that's going to go down there with practices getting underway as well. The bubble in Orlando down there at Disney World. Uh, so, it, I mean, look at the NBA, Dustin. It just still seems kind of up in the air. I hate to say it, but both Major League Baseball and NBA still kind of seem up in the air because they're still coming out. A ton of positive, I shouldn't say a ton, but enough a positive test that is alarming and also guys also saying they're not going to even go down to Orlando and play. I know a couple of uh, pretty good cappers in the, the NBA atmosphere, and they have told me stay away for right now because you don't know who's going to, to test positive. You don't know what good players in the starting lineups or even in the, the second squads coming up are going to you know test positive or aren't going to be able to play for personal reasons. You don't know what players are going to sit out uh, just because they don't, they don't want to play. They don't want to be a, a part of you know this in, in the middle of the pandemic and everything. They want to stay with their families and make sure everybody's safe with that. So I think that's one thing you have to look forward in the, the NBA. It's hard to you know throw future bets on teams that might win or uh, even playoff series. You know, uh, Like I told you before, we talked about the four or five in the East. I've been really looking forward to the, the Heat Pacers uh, four or five in the East, and it's hard to even put a number on it right now. I know there are certain sports books who have, uh, but it's hard to to actually place place some money towards it because of that reasoning. You don't know who's going to come up. Like uh, they've already talked about the 
a couple teams just, hey, your star players aren't playing. Like, they just don't want to play. So I think that's something you kind of have to wait until the last second to kind of get on, but you don't want to miss miss the, the right number, I should say. I know, to me, the one team that I'm still confident in is the L.A. Lakers because, I mean, you look at that, obviously they have LeBron James, so anytime you have LeBron James, you're going to have a good chance of winning the title. But just look for them. Avery Bradley comes out. He says he is not going to go down to Orlando and compete. What do they do? They pick up J.R. Smith. He's going to go down and be and join the Lakers in Orlando. That's just a guy that's been with LeBron, obviously been through a lot, won a championship with LeBron James. So you substitute J.R. Smith for Avery Bradley. Seems to be basically a perfect swap for the L.A. Lakers. I just have a feeling that, and just for me, I, I know that's obviously not really going out on a limb saying that the Lakers, but just what the Lakers did in the regular season and what they, the guys they are bringing back and bringing down to Orlando. Also, Dwight Howard came out. He said he's going to join the Lakers down in Orlando as well. I have a hard time believing that somebody other than the L.A. Lakers is going to win the NBA title this year. They're good. I, I wouldn't sleep on the Bucks coming out of the East. I think they can they can definitely shred through the East. Uh, but like you said, with the Lakers, uh, losing Avery Bradley and picking up J.R. Smith, the, what's tough about J.R. Smith's career is the only thing I can think of is how good of an athlete and how good of a player he is, is they had game one stolen from Golden State, and all he had to do was shoot a little 10-, 15-footer jumper and LeBron is just pointing, like, what are you doing? Why are you dribbling it out? And it ends. They go to overtime. They lose. And I really thought that, I mean, that knocked the wind completely out of uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. But I think that, you know, they have a good feel. Um, I shouldn't say it's what LeBron was with Dwayne Wade, obviously. But they play together enough. They know, and he knows exactly where he needs to be on the court when LeBron's out there. LeBron instantly makes every player better. Uh, he can play in the second group, and your guy can just by – NBA uh, 2K statistics, if you're a 70 overall, you have LeBron James on the court at the same time you are, you're about a 77, 78. He makes every player around him better. Uh, I really think, like you said, he's the best player right now. Um, him and Giannis are right there. And, I mean, there's a reason he's got the argument for the GOAT title with Michael Jordan. So, again, the NBA set to start back up on July 30th with eight-game schedule and then going into the playoffs after that. But moving on, Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball set to start up on the July 24th weekend. They just announced the schedule a couple of days ago earlier this week. To me, Major League Baseball, though, is more up in the air than I think NBA is just for the simple fact of all the positive tests that Major League Baseball has come out with. I mean, just look at our hometown Kansas City Royals. They have three guys that are going to be starters that are currently out right now with COVID-19. Salvador Perez, the all-star catcher, he is out right now with COVID-19. The guy that was going to be the starting pitcher on opening day, Brad Keller, he's out with it. The starting first baseman, Ryan O'Hearn, he came out and he said he has COVID-19. So those three players right now that have tested positive for COVID-19, but then you also look at Major League Baseball. I know something that was you were going to talk about, Dustin, was the fact that even Mike Trout, the best player in the world, came out and said he doesn't even know for sure still if he is going to be coming out and playing in the 2020 Major League Baseball season. Just the simple fact his wife has a baby on the way and just taking that chance of getting it and something happening is I think a lot of things that these guys are looking at and starting to ask themselves, is it worth it? Yeah, and I'll touch on a couple things uh, that you just said. Was uh, First off, we'll just start with the Mike Trout thing. It's it's crazy to think that the best player in baseball, I mean, obviously in my opinion and a lot of people's opinion, is going to be uh, – Is it really an opinion? Is it really an opinion that Mike Trout's the best player I, in the I world? I can't think of anybody else who, who tops him in my, in my personal opinion. Okay, I, fair enough. If, I've, if I had the number one draft pick and we were reorganizing the league, I would, I'd take Mike Trout. Sorry, sorry, all the pitchers out there. Sorry, sorry, all the other players out there. Mike Trout's got it. Fair enough. But uh, 
I, I completely understand, you know, family reasons and, you know, wanting to stay home. And especially when you have a shortened season, like, realistically, when it comes to the money standpoint and everything, does he really need it? I mean, he's, he's got the money in the bag, you know, $340, $350 million over the next, you know, 8 to 10 years. He, he's got it in the bag there. And then you also said uh, with uh, Kansas City, it's, it's tough when you look at Salvi. I mean, Salvi is the heart and soul of Kansas City baseball. Uh, you know, ever since that World Series run, and we started losing a couple players within the team. Well, he missed all last year too. That's yeah, a lot of, the, I mean, he already missed last year. So, I mean, now you look at it. Yeah, and that's what how what I wanted to jump to was just you know with him missing all of last year, you know, Kansas City's heart and soul. We wanted him back. We want him, you know, to play opening day. And then you're like, oh man, he's got COVID. Like, can we really get him to to play? Can we, you know, want him to be as healthy as possible because we want him to be on the team. You know, he is that player that we want to, you know eventually retire a, a Kansas, uh, Kansas City Royal and, you know, sit in the Hall of Fame with us. So at the end of the day, we want what's best for the players, and that's all around the MLB. And uh, I think the shortened season is going to be a little bit interesting. They had talked about the most wins. They have players uh, projected for wins and everything, and it's hard to think of a starter getting the most wins. I think they have it at six and a half right now over under. I think a relief pitcher is going to have the most wins this year be, just because of the shortened season. You don't want to have a pitcher out there for too long if you don't have to. You and know? I, I, I know we talked about it with the NBA, and you mentioned that you know there was a capper that you saw that said stay away from the NBA right now. I kind of have a similar feeling, if not even a bigger feeling, towards Major League Baseball as far as give us another maybe week, week and a half, and we'll have probably a better idea of what – what it's going to be like if there is going to be a season and what things are going to look like. But as of right now, there's just so much question mark, so much still up in the air. I know it seems like that we're taking the easy way out, but it's just it's the it's just the way the situation is, or the simple fact of nobody knows what it's going to look like still, even though it is only you know two and a half weeks away. There's just still so much question mark. And another just personal opinion that I have on this uh, subject was uh, Korean baseball came back. Uh, no fans, no anything. They came back, they renewed their season, got everything up and running. They're on the road to getting fans back in the stands. The MLB could have taken the reins on this earlier, you know, April, May, uh, even into early June. They could have taken the reins on this when there were no other sports. And like we had talked about uh, with the NHL and a couple other uh, sports, the the sports that are, are kind of on the back burner, you know, to the NFL and the, the NBA, they could have been – at the the front runner here and said hey let's get a season going no matter what it takes and I think the MLB kind of kind of dropped the ball here where now by the time that they start up you know you have NBA playoffs you got NHL playoffs and to be honest that I understand that there's the 50 60 game season is going every game's going to matter but it's not going to matter as much as the NBA playoffs the NHL playoffs going straight into July and even August so I really think that the uh, the MLB really dropped the ball here. They could have started a couple weeks, even a couple months earlier, and they would have been the hot topic of the sports world for you know the last couple months to come. Yeah, that's something we've talked about before here on the degenerate. It's a simple fact that Major League Baseball, they could have been in the spotlight and try to bring major, the America's pastime back, but Rob Manfred, he's a clown. He drops the ball. He, I mean, he's he's done so much wrong for Major League Baseball in the game. It, it's insane that, that he still is in there and still has a job being a commissioner of Major League Baseball, but that's that's a different topic for a different day. That's something that's always going to be there, just the simple fact of how Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred really did drop the ball this year. But ultimately, right now, as it sits, Major League Baseball is scheduled to be back on the July 24th weekend, so we'll talk more about that closer it gets and the better a picture we have of what the season and what teams are going to look like. We'll talk about that here in the next couple weeks on The Degenerate. But now let's wrap things up. Dustin, a couple final extra things you want to talk about before we get off air here? 
Yeah, I got a couple extra things here, John. Uh, we had talked about uh, missing July 4th and because, uh, you know, we we're busy with, obviously, America Day. Uh, but just a couple things in the sports world that I just wanted to run through. Uh, Joey Chestnut, he had won the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Go. Again. Um, not a big surprise if you are if you keep up with that stuff. I actually had uh, over 72 and a half hot dogs on him. Uh, he hit 75. Just hear me out, John. 75 hot dogs, okay, in a 10-minute period with no audience. There was one announcer, and all the, all the participants were six feet apart in this whole thing. So we have 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. It is a new record, okay? Last record set by him in 2018, 74 hot dogs. So he broke his own record. I got a question before, before, you, before you go too much farther. Mm-hmm. I want to know how much money this man makes to hate his life that much to 75 hot dogs in it's, 10 minutes. It's wild. And I, I've actually watched a little documentary about it. This is just a mini documentary. And he had talked about how everybody has a second level to eating. Like when you know when you eat and you get full. And I know second it's, level. It, it's disgusting when you think about it because you're just like, I obviously can't eat after I eat that much. It's something, apparently a switch in your head or something, I don't know, where he just turns it on. And he's just like, yep, I can get past that. So, realistically, 75 dogs in 10 minutes, 74, and this is hot dogs and bun for people. And if, you don't, if you've never seen it, it's I'm not going to go into full details, but he eats two hot dogs at a time, two buns at a time. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, all I have to say here is, I, I'm going to keep going, but... In two minutes, this thing was over. He had a 10 hot dog lead in two minutes. Okay, so I just looked up, just, just not to cut you off again, but I, I had to look up how much money he makes for to get paid eating. His 2020 net worth, $1.5 million. <laughs> he gets $10,000 each time he wins the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which he's won 13 times. <clears throat> so you can do the math on that one. So we look at that. Like I said, in two minutes, this thing was over. I watched it. I was happy. Now, here's where it got a little scary. I know a bunch of people who had the under in this contest, over 72 and a half hot dogs. Why did a lot of people have the under in this? Six minutes in, he had a 20 hot dog lead. He won by 33 hot dogs with no audience. So nobody's hyping him up. Nobody's cheering him on. Nothing. He breaks, shatters the rest. I mean, I mean, but it's only a dog, but really, 75 dogs, 10 minutes. That's go out there and try to eat three hot dogs in a minute and tell me how you feel. But I don't think I could eat four hot dogs in 10 minutes, let alone three in a minute. He he won by 33 hot dogs, 33. Like he could have coasted the whole way. And that's why a lot of people had the under, they figured he would just coast the rest way. No, I want the record. I got it. Uh, 13 out of the last 14 years. He's the mustard belt winner. Uh, Cheers to Joey Chestnut. That's all I can say. That guy, I, I don't know what it is. The, that's one of my highlights of the July 4th weekend is waking up early in the morning watching the Nathan hot dog eating contest, and a dude tears it up every year. Uh, in the women's contest, we got Mickey Sudo, finished with 48 and a half. Uh, still, regardless, 48 and a half. Uh, she won by, I believe it was 14, 15 hot dogs, a, a ridiculous amount. I mean, it's disgusting when you talk about it at that point. But here's one thing I didn't understand in the women's competition. The last place in the women's competition – had seven total hot dogs eaten in 10 minutes. Why would you even get in the competition at that point? Uh, what I wanted to know was, does there have to be a qualifier, or is there something where there... There has to be. Uh, like, I, I figure or do you there, just pay enough money to get into it? Yeah, like, I, I figure there has to be a qualifier or something, because you're not just going to go up against you know the best eaters in the world if you can't qualify for it. But did you just show up and just decide, you know, I'm just going to you know mess around, whatever? But seven hot dogs, 10 minutes, I think that's, that's kind of feasible for the average person. But, hey... 
you, you can at least say you were in the, uh, the hot dog eating contest. Um, anyway, moving on, all I wanted to say, Joey Chestnut, the goat of, uh, of hot dog eating contests, uh, 75 hot dog in 10 minutes, man. That's, that's just outrageous. I, I can't deal with that. Uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, second note, uh, Mike Trout might sit out. Uh, the only thing I had to say on that, now that we've already talked about it, was if you have an MVP ticket or you thought about putting an MVP ticket on uh, Mike Trout, stay away. Run away. Get away. Don't talk to your bookie. Don't talk to who, your offshore accounts. None of that. Don't stay away from that because he might sit out. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to touch on was uh, Caesar Sportsbook, as of today, is no longer in commission. Uh, William Hill actually had bought them out and now it is now William Hill Sportsbook is through Caesar Sportsbook. No, I should say Caesar Sportsbook is now through William Hill. It is all William Hill to begin with uh, down in Vegas. So if you are in Vegas, um, it is, I would just recommend going to uh, William Hill, uh, the South Point, uh, the Golden Nugget, places like that. But yeah, Caesars, uh, Caesar Sportsbook, no longer a thing. Bought out by William Hill. That's crazy, and I, I know this, I don't have a ton of experience. I mentioned it before you went on air here, so you don't have a whole lot into it as well, but Five Dimes all of a sudden coming out. They made a big announcement today that they're going to start charging. I, think it was, I believe it was a 3% charge on transferring money into Bitcoins. We won't get into that a whole lot, but that's just kind of a – I think a lot of people looked at that and said, oh, yeah, we're going to cancel our uh, Five Dimes subscriptions and go somewhere else with that. That's just something – I know that's a big thing in the betting world. It's something I just felt like we kind of had to bring up here on the show. Yeah, and like you said, we're not going to touch on it too much, but it, if you know how Bitcoin works to money transfers, 3% is a lot, a lot of money that it doesn't have to be, uh, especially just transferred in. Uh, I don't know really exactly what Five Dimes doing. I have to do a little bit more research on that. But like I said, we'll we'll stay off the air on that and kind of talk to that to the side. Uh, if you want to know more about that, uh, just do a little research online. Uh, doesn't take too long, about ten minutes, and you, you can kind of figure that one out. So again, those are just some more extra things to wrap up this week's show here of the Degenerate. A lot to talk about. A long show, I know a little bit longer, but after missing last week, felt like we had to put a good show together for everyone tuning in here on Arrowhead Live podcast. One more final thing, Dustin. Anything to add? Uh, last thing I w- just want to ask you, how many Brinks trucks do you think will bring in that $503 million to Patrick Mahomes' house? Man. <laughs> I saw. I, mean, I had to laugh. Someone, after he signed it, they put out a meme or a picture, and the caption was, Patrick Mahomes' car when he arrived at Arrowhead the next season, and it was a Brinks truck. I don't know. It just made <laughs> me laugh because it's, oh, I mean, man. it's so true. $503 I'm okay. I said this on my Facebook the other day. Imagine being 24 years old, signing a piece of paper that says, I'm going to make $503 million. Hey, Pat, uh, I don't know if you listen to this or not, but if you do, uh, just let me get a hundred spot, man. Like, I just need some gas, you know, some. My Venmo is at jkane 5 <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just, hey, man, just, just cut me off a little something, something, man. I don't, it doesn't have to be much, you know, a little hundred spot here. I won't tell nobody. Uh but, yeah, man, uh, another great show here, John. Uh, like I said, we gave a quick little rundown, and uh, I know we had a lot to lot to catch up on, so it was a little bit of a longer episode. But uh, what's your last thoughts on this one? Well, just to add on, kind of just quickly here, the Patrick Mahomes thing. Did you see what Pat McAfee did with his crew? He just signed a deal with FanDuel. No, for, I haven't looked at that yet. He signed a deal with FanDuel for $500,000, I think it was. Or fifty, yeah, $500,000. So he went to the bank, got – I believe I can't remember how much it was, but he went out around to each guy that he works with with his podcast crew. If, if anybody's ever listened to Pat McAfee, great guy, great show, love what he does. But he went and he took a backpack 
filled a bunch of backpacks up with ten thousand dollars or with fifty thousand dollars, excuse me, and took it around to each one of the guys in his circle, knocked on their door at like three in the morning, four in the morning, and just handed them a backpack full of fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow. That's the way to do it. A guy that signed a deal with FanDuel for his show. So Pat McAfee, that's kind of the same situ- situation. Giving back to the people. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. So that's just just a funny little story I wanted to throw in there. But and nonetheless, again, that's going to wrap up another episode of The Degenerate. I want to thank everyone for tuning in with us. As always, thank you guys so much. So for Dustin Gosa, I am Johnny Kane. We'll talk to you next week here on The Degenerate, Arrowhead Live, arrowheadlive.com. <laughs>